Don't ever laugh as a hearse goes by, for you may be the next to die. They wrap you up in bloody sheets to drop you six feet underneath. They put you in a pine wood. Tonight on the Midnight Train Podcast, we discuss Jelly Belly Frankenstein. No, no, Jeff, what are you doing? Schmelly Yelly. No. You're not doing that at all. First of all, Relly Kelly. Nope. Nope. It, we're talking about Mary Shelley. Pelly Pelly Frankenstein, the author and creator. That would be Mary Shelley. She wrote Frankenstein or the modern Prometheus way back in the day. And they consider it an early example of science fiction. She led an awesome life and we're going to dive into it this week. Listener discretion is always advised. All aboard the Midnight Train. 250 flavors of jelly beans. No. Hello, passengers, and welcome to the Midnight Train Podcast, where we bring the dark to light. We make fun of and joke about creepy stuff while bringing you as much information on each topic as possible. Yes, we are a comedy podcast. So if you're new here, we're offensive. <laughs> we, we we try not to be. Well, you know, if you're sensitive, you may not like it. And listen, just give it a chance. You know what I mean? Give it a chance. Listen to it. But we are a comedy podcast. Things can get kind of dark. We could talk about some pretty dark and twisted things. So if you're into that, cool. Let's roll. And if you're not, no hard feelings. But see your ass out. Don't let the good Lord hit you. Wait, how's it go? Don't let the door hit you where the good Lord split you. (laughs) That's right. Is that what it is? But, but at least listen to it till you get mad. And then tell us why you're mad. Because I like like seeing that. Yeah. And and I think it's funny. Yeah. Yeah, that's and it's fine. Amplifying the reason why you're mad. <laughs> <laughs> so I am your host, the conductor of the cryptic Jonathan Sayer, and with me are Logan and Jeff Butchko. Uh, by the way, I noticed via Facebook that Tugboat is a wrestler. Thank you, Justin, for yes. pointing that out. <laughs> yes. Tugboat. Tugboat is a wrestler. Well, we found that out, though, because you, you found it last week. But he was t- he actually went in depth about yeah. who they were. Like He sounds like he's and- an expert. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He knows all about it. He's a big wrestling fan. That's cool. Yeah. He's a big wrestling fan. Maybe one of these days we'll throw in like some some fucked up shit. Like We a- should do like a Jake the Snake episode because he had a really fucked up life. Or Chris Benoit. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Owen yeah. Hart. Yeah. From the rafters. We might be able to do it. Maybe we'll maybe we'll do an episode one of these days specifically for you wrestling fans out there where it's like the tragic deaths of yeah. wrestlers. You know what I mean? Maybe we'll do something like that. It could be fun. So listen, we're going to save the business until the end. So if you're like, man, I really want to know what their YouTube <laughs> and Twitter is and, and their Patreon. Guess what? You got to wait. There's probably a link right under the listening <laughs> there, there, there's, a link. there's a link. Yeah. So listen, let's get into this thing. Let's turn down the lights, adjust our seats, grab a drink, and let's get spooky. But first, here's a toast to all you beautiful motherfuckers. It does kind of got that vibe. Yeah. Yeah. 
Logan. Yo. You need a beer? Yes. Breathe with me. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember when that came out? Yeah. Yes. I remember watching that on MTV and a lot of people, one of the young folks out there right now, they're like, what is MTV? Anyways, it was music television. They used to play music videos. No, they know what it is, but they don't know what we know about it. That's true. Because what do you mean? All they know is like Jersey Shore and all that garbage that they play no, on there. See, it went from music TV to mature TV is what it turned into, and it's just stupid. Well, now it just might as well be ridiculousness TV because yeah. that's yeah. all they play. Yeah. Oh, that Rob Diedrich yeah. show? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's actually not it's, bad, but, you know, it's still... I just can't get over the freaking blonde chick, dude. Oh, yeah, her stupid laugh. <laughs> dude, She's I'm gonna, horrible. I'm have like that this entire episode now. She's horrible. <laughs> you have to. So but, listen, we've all heard... Of the story of Frankenstein's monster, right? Who? Right? You're, you're kidding me. Frankenstein's you monster. Correct. That's his That's his goblin, right? The little... No. Oh, gotcha. You know, the story where a batshit crazy scientist wants to reanimate dead tissue and basically create a fucking zombie baby. It's alive! Right? Is that the Kardashians? Oh, I mean... <laughs> oh, do it. <laughs> Because that's how you get zombies, all right? Anyway, Dr. Frankenstein and his trusty assistant, Igor, Igor, set off to bring a bunch of random dead body parts together, throw some lightning on the bugger, and bring this new puzzle piece of a quasi-human back to life. Yes, man. Igor's never changed over the years, by the way. Never. So we've had different iterations of of Frankenstein, many different times, many different ways, but Igor's always been the same. He's always been the hunchback. Yes, man. Did you know the the original movie from the uh, 30s, his name wasn't Igor? What was it? Uh, uh, fuck, I have it. I have it someplace. I'll look it up was in a it minute. Will? <laughs> it, it was Will? It was Steven. <laughs> my, name's, my name's Steven. Yes, yes, sir. <laughs> so, of course, at first, the reanimated corpse seems somewhat ordinary, but then flips his shit and starts terrorizing and doing what I can only imagine reanimated zombies actually fucking do. Go right? to Arby's. Right, go to Arby's? Yeah. Why, why Arby's? They got the meat. Ooh. That's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty good. I actually love Logan's Arby's. on fire today. Yeah. Not, we're not even five minutes in and he's on fire. Somebody put him out. <laughs> <laughs> so Mary Shelley, also known as Jelly Belly. <laughs> Mary Wollstonecraft Godwin. Oh. All right. That's what, how, what her name was when she was first born. Why did she change it to Shelley? Because uh, well, we'll talk about it. Oh, okay. okay. Two first names. Yeah. Ah, So she was uh, born in Summerstown, London in 1797. She was the second child of the feminist philosopher, educator, and writer Mary Wollstonecraft and first child of the philosopher, novelist, and journalist William Godwin. Now listen, it's going to get a little bit... I'll try to keep it as straight as I can, but almost everyone in here is named Mary. It's weird. Was there something about Mary? Ah, (laughs) get it? So where's my, where's my drum hit? Oh, I don't know which one it is. I don't we think have we one? have that anymore. It's yeah, we're gonna on the right. I like this one. <laughs> that, that's good. That's good. <laughs> so she was brought into this world by some smart friggin' people. Mary's mother died of uh, uh, pu- uh puperal pu- puperal fever. Puperal. What is that? I'm gonna Google it. Yes, Google what that is. It's p e p u e r p e r a l puperal fever. Shortly after Mary was born. Oh, wait, I have it right here. (laughs) Puperal fever is an infectious, sometimes fatal disease of childbirth. Until the mid-19th century, this dreaded then mysterious illness could sweep through a hospital maternity ward and kill most new mothers. So it can actually wipe them all out. It almost looks like COVID. Oh. That's fucked up. 
Yeah. It probably was. That's, that'd be fucked up. Do you think I- Igor was Dr. Fauci? <laughs> <laughs> he looks like him. We will not release the vaccines until they've all paid their dollars. <laughs> Looking over at freaking our governor like, yes, master. <laughs> Make them stay home. Yes. Make them wear a mask. Right. So today, strict uh, aseptic hospital techniques have made the condition uncommon in most parts of the world, except in unusual circumstances such as illegally induced abortion. Ugh. Uh-oh. Yikes. So don't do that. Yeah, guys. Anyone. Yeah, let's not do those. Just at, rethink it. Just don't home. do illegal stuff, man. That's it. Just don't do it at home by yourself. That's, I guess. Yeah, I mean, go go to, like, a professional. Right. Yeah. I guess. If, if that's what you want to do. <laughs> don't open the closet door and look at that hanger sitting there and be like, hmm. Yeah, that's a bad idea. It's a very bad idea. Yeah, right, yeah. Logan? Yes, 100%. Okay. Right, right. Yes, 100%. So her father, William, was left to bring up Mary and her older half-sister, Fanny Emley. Yes, that's her name. Oh yeah, <laughs> Mary's mother's child by the uh, 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 Mary's mother's child by the American spe- uh, ah, spec ah, speculator <laughs> Gilbert Emley. Okay, so she was not her dad; it was her mom's other child. Okay, like I said, there's Mary all over the place. A year after her mother's death, Godwin published his memoirs of the author of A Vindication of the Rights of Women, which he intended as a sincere and compassionate tribute. He was real big advocate. Advocate way back then for like women's rights and stuff like that. Her father surprised was. he didn't get like thrown at the stake and burned. I know, really. Uh, we'll, we'll keep going. Oh no, I can't say it did or did not Ooh. happen. Yeah, 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 not yet. So, however, the memoirs revealed Mary's mother's affairs and her illegitimate child. In that Ooh. period, they were seen as shocking. Mary read these memoirs on and her mother's books and was brought up to cherish her mother's memory. So, turns out that dad kind of, kind of. Mama was a hoe. Yeah, mom. Mom got around a little bit. You know, that's that's fine. Listen, do the streets. Do you, boo? Mary's earliest years were happy, judging from the letters of William's housekeeper and nurse Louisa Jones. But Godwin was often deeply in debt, feeling that he could not raise Mary and Fanny himself. He looked for a second wife. But of course, in December of 1801, he married Mary Jane Claremont. Third Mary. See, oh see what I'm saying? There's Mary's all over the fucking place. Okay, she's who's the, lost? She's the cooler Mary, though. <laughs> so we, we know this one as Mary Jane, okay? So this one's Mary, Mary, why are you bugging? No, we're on DMC, anyone? Oh, yeah. But she Christmas was a, time in Hollis, Queens. Yeah, I, that just came on the radio today, dude. <laughs> oh, it's a classic. And I was man. just like, that's awesome. Yeah, I really enjoy that song. So uh, Mary Jane Claremont, a.k.a. Mary Jane, was a well-educated woman with two young children, Charles and Claire. So many fucking Marys. Just lots of Marys. Sorry, folks. And, and it may, like I said, it may get a little bit convoluted here, but most of her father's friends disliked his new wife. Um, shocker. Describing <laughs> her as a straight fucking bitch. Like, seriously, they hated her. Mm. Okay, not really. They, But they didn't like her. You know what I mean? They didn't call her a bitch. Maybe she could have used them. Yeah. And Mary people Jane. were like cruel as shit back in the day, you know? They would go to like their little wine parties and they just like, hmm, how, stare at them. How do we want to despise today? Yeah. How dare she speak to me in such manner? She didn't talk to you. Yes, she did with her eyes. How dare her show her ankle to me in this destitute time? <laughs> Stab her eyes, please. <laughs> oh, look, Freddy. Here comes number two. <laughs> I'm going to be sick. Right, right. So, uh, yeah, they didn't like her. However, William was devoted to her and the marriage worked. Mary, however, came to hate her. William's 19th century biographer, uh, Charles Keegan Paul, later suggested that Mrs. Godwin had favored her own children over William's. So, how awesome is it that he had a biographer? 
I mean, that's pretty awesome. I mean, I don't have a biographer. He hey, just you. like hangs right out with you. Yeah, so just sits around writes writing it down. everything yeah. you do. Like, no, don't write that. Don't write that yeah. part down. You don't have to write down that I farted. Right? <laughs> Seriously. Like, you don't have to. Day 42. <laughs> <laughs> a pungent odor <laughs> rose through the air as Mr. Sayer walked into his... <laughs> as Must he awoke, find air. As he awoke on the 15th of December, there was a slow rumbling in his tumble. <laughs> and it all of a sudden... <laughs> it sounded that of a snake hissing and then exploding. <laughs> so together, Mary's father and his new bride started a publishing firm called M.J. Godwin, which sold children's books and stationery, maps, and games. Oh, nice. However, the business wasn't making any loot, and her father was forced to borrow buttloads of money to keep it going. Oh, no. He kept borrowing money to pay off earlier loans, just adding to his problems. By 1809, Williams's business was uh, close to sh- um, closing up shop, and he was near to despair. Near to despair. That's, that's how you say almost broke. That's a song title. Near to despair? Yeah. Should be. It really should be. By 1809, again, going out of business here, Mary's father was saved from debtor's prison by devotees such as Francis Place, who lent him additional money. Yeah, by the way, if you guys don't know what debtor's prison is, it's pretty much exactly what it sounds like. If you couldn't pay your debts, they threw your ass in jail. Unlike today, where they just fuck up your credit. Spam call you. Yeah. Right. Thanks, Columbia House. Yeah. Columbia House? Yeah. Oh, man. Fuckers. Yeah. <laughs> but back in the day, though, like back then, like if you couldn't pay your bills, dude, they threw your ass in jail. It's basically like, you know, if like child support. Yeah. <laughs> you Could you imagine that nowadays, though? Dude, everybody would be there. So many people live off of credit cards. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's how everyone's getting by like the past couple of years. Yeah. Okay, that's what we're going to do. We're going to take you away from your place of employment that makes you allow to make money. And we're going to put you into a small facility where you will no longer be able to make money. No, they do. They make license plates. Oh. Do they sell them? Yeah. Yeah. Where do you think license plates come from? At the license plate bureau. <laughs> Where do you think they're the made? License plate store. <laughs> Amazon, right? Yeah. <laughs> Though Mary received little education, her father tutored her in many subjects. He often took the children on educational trips. They had access to his library and the many intelligent mofos who visited him, including the romantic poet Samuel Taylor Coleridge and the former vice president of the United States, Aaron Burr. You know, oh, you know Aaron Burr? Yeah. That dude that shot and killed his political opponent, Alexander Hamilton, in a fucking duel? Ah, I, I, I was born in the wrong century. You know, yes. Like the flintlock fl- the pistol? Yes. Where you, like, you polite, it's like, I'm going to get you. <laughs> Hold still. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> wait, wait. I have to I, I have to reload, please. Get please. the little ramrod. Yes. Like, <laughs> yeah, but back then, though, you got shot by one of those. And first of all, it put a hole in your ass. But mm. second of all, you're probably going to die from seps- sepsis anyway. Yeah, it's not like they had you, great medical. Right. Uh, <laughs> like, you, you're done. Get the leeches. He's bleeding. Yeah. <laughs> Cut his leg off. That's what they did. Oh, yeah. Oh, I got shot in my leg. Where? where? In, your, in, in your leg? Okay, it's actually my toe. Take the whole fucking leg. <laughs> the gangrene will set. Yeah, because, I mean, it, it happened. Yeah. So Mary's father admitted he was not educating the children according to Mary's mother's philosophy as outlined in works such as A Vindication of the Rights of Women. Mm-hmm. However, Mary still received an unusual and advanced education for a girl of the time. Remember, she's just a girl. <laughs> What does she know? She is just a girl. Living the dream <laughs> back in the day. Going to school and everything's okay. <laughs> she did have a governess, a daily tutor, and read many of her father's children's Roman and Greek history books. For six months in 1811, she also attended a boarding school in Ramsgate, England. Oh. Her father described her at age 15 as, quote, 
singularly bold, somewhat imperious, and active of mind. Her knowledge, or her desire of knowledge is great, and her perseverance is everything she undertakes almost invincible. That's pretty awesome. My dad didn't even know how to spell my name until I was 12. <laughs> I was say, your dad ever tell you anything like that? Nope. No, I he, didn't either. He literally spelled my name J-O-H-N until I was 12 years old. I got a fucking birthday card from him, and it just said John on the outside of it. And I look at him, I go, Dad, you named me. <laughs> like, huh? Now he just calls me Jonathan just so he doesn't have to fuck it up. That's yeah, awesome. Man, that's Yeah, that's that's my dad. Anyway, in June of 1812, Mary's father sent her to stay with the family of the radical William Baxter near Dundee, Scotland. In a letter to Baxter, he wrote, quote, I am anxious that she should be brought up like a philosopher, even like a cynic. So dad's kind of like hoping that she becomes something. You know what I mean? He's he's making some moves for being a broke toy maker. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, he is. I mean, but he's trying. But back then, though, it's like I feel like. The upper crust were those who were educated. You didn't have to have money. You just had to be educated. Yeah. You know, because everyone looked down on anyone. I mean, look at like, you know, you could be rich and be a shoemaker and like talk like this, you tie top captain. And people are going to look at you like you're a dullard, you know, or the poor bastard on the side of the street eating a loaf of bread. Like, I can't spell my name. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. He's a drove of society. Yeah. You know, burn him. <laughs> <laughs> scholars have speculated that she may have been sent away for her health remove her from the steamy side of the business mm. or introduce her to radical politics however mary loved the spacious surroundings of baxter's, baxter's house and his four daughters and she returned uh, north in the summer of 1813 to hang out for 10 months in the 1831 introduction to frankenstein she recalled quote i wrote then but in most commonplace style it was beneath the trees of the grounds belonging to our house or on the bleak sides of the woodless mountains near that my true compositions, the airy flights of my imagination, were born and fostered. End quote. What does that mean? I have no fucking idea what you just said. She's saying basically, hey, I'm having a great time. Can't wait to go back. Oh, is that what it is? Toodles. Thank you. Oh, nice, nice. Very nice. <laughs> At the very end, yas queen. I did a Google translation <laughs> on it. <laughs> yas queen. <laughs> yas queen. So basically she's just in, in this though. You know, she's saying that she got inspiration from this because she just wrote normal shit to begin with. She popped the white claws like, hell in it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mary Godwin may have uh, uh, first met the radical poet philosopher Percy, Br uh, his middle name drives me crazy. I want to call it Bish, but it what? looks like Baish. Baishi. Baish. And I looked it up and I couldn't find how to pronounce it, but his last name, his name is Percy Baish Shelley. Logan. Oh, ah. see, there we go. In between her two stays in Scotland, and you will hear lots of Percival here, Percy. <laughs> when she returned home for a second time on the uh, March 30th of 1814, Percy Shelley became estranged from his wife and regularly visited Mary's father, William Godwin, whom he had agreed to bail out of debt. Oh. So he breaks up with his old lady, mm -hmm. Yeah. goes to old Mr. Dad over here and says, you know, I can help you. By the way, she's uh, pretty hot. <laughs> See, even back in the day, there was scandalous shit going on. Oh, yeah. You know? Oh, it's been going on for, for since the dawn of humanity. Yeah. Ever much. since a man looked down and went, ooh, that's how that works. It's been, <laughs> it's been happening. So. so anyway, Percy Shelley's radicalism, particularly his economic views, alienated him from his wealthy aristocratic family. They didn't like his thoughts. They wanted him to be a high upstanding snoot and follow traditional models of the landed aristocracy. Oh. He tried to donate large amounts of the family's money to projects meant to help the poor and disadvantaged, which is nice. 
I can't spell my name. <laughs> Give him a shilling. <laughs> we will not. <laughs> well, by golly, I'm going to be a banker. Right. <laughs> Good day, sir. Thank you, sir. <laughs> a whole goose just for me. <laughs> so, yeah, they wanted him to be, you know, Mr. Snoopball or whatever. And he was actually trying to help out poor people. Percy Shelley, therefore, had a problem gaining access to capital until he inherited his estate because his family did not want him wasting it on his projects of, quote, political justice. In other words, like, you are not, we ain't giving you shit because you're just going to piss it off. Yep. After several months of promises, Shelley announced that he could not or would not pay off all of Godwin's debts. So he promised Mary's dad, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then turned around and said, nah, I can't do it because he wasn't getting any money from his family. So Godwin, Mary's dad, right, right. was angry and felt betrayed and whooped his ass. Oh. Okay, no, nah, not really. He was just oh. really mad about it. Yeah. But so that would, he, he would have been really beat him. Walked over with that white glove and... I was thinking like a street fight where they hold their fists out like this. Fisticuffs? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you want to go fisticuffs, mate? Let's go. <laughs> I want once five rounds with Jack Dempsey, I did. <laughs> Mary and Percy began hooking up on the down low at her mother Mary Wollstonecraft's grave in the churchyard of St. Pangras Old Church and they fell in love she was 16 and he was 20 fucking one creepy and super gross not only is he hooking up with a 16 year old at 21 but they're doing it at the church of her mother's grave that's, that's, a, that's some Game of Thrones shit that's right there. some yeah that's some oh. dark shit dude yeah, that's like rough. And the more I got into this, because at first, you know, I've always loved her. I, I read the original book of hers, and she's just an, an amazing woman, especially for her time. But the more I got into this, I'm like, what the fuck was going on back then? Like, it's insane. On uh, June 26th, 1814, Shelley and Godwin declared their love for one another as Shelley announced he could not hide his, quote, <laughs> ardent passion. Hey, everybody, I'm in love with this 16-year-old girl, and we screwed on a gravestone. I'm going to marry her now. Come to the wedding. Right, and it was probably fine. <laughs> this led her in, quote, a sublime and rapturous moment to say she felt the same way. On either that day or the next, Godwin lost her virginity to Shelley, which tradition claims happened in the churchyard. So the grown-ass 21-year-old man statutorily raped the 16-year-old daughter of the man he idolized and dicked over in a graveyard. Mm. Man, how mm. things have fucking changed. Thank God. And gross! Yuck. Godwin described herself as attracted to Shelley's, quote, wild intellectual unearthly looks. Right. That's, that's a nice way to put it. <laughs> right. Smart but ugly. We got it. Yes. yes. Mama got ass, too. Yeah. <laughs> give me three and a half minutes. Yeah. Maybe even four. <laughs> She'll be wanting to marry her. I'm not saying that word. Yeah. <laughs> to Mary's dismay, her father disapproved and tried to thwart the relationship and salvage his daughter's, quote, spotless fame. No, you don't say. Dad wasn't into his teenage daughter banging a man in a graveyard? Oh. <laughs> Shocker. Mary's father learned of Shelley's inability to pay off the father's debts at about the same time. Yikes. So not only did he find out, dude can't help me out, and you're banging my daughter in the graveyard of my ex-wife, her mother. Yeah, that's brutal. Jesus. Yeah. Yes. So that's what happened. He found out after he diddled her. That's fun. Mary, who later wrote, quote, of, um, quote, my excessive and romantic attachment to my father um, was confused. So she actually, like, had this little bit more than daddy issues, ah, I would go to say. Yeah. Which maybe that's why she banged it out with an older guy. Just saying. 
She saw Percy Shelley as an embodiment of her parents' liberal and reformist ideas, of uh, ideas, damn it, of the 1790s, not 1970s, particularly Godwin's view that marriage was a repressive monopoly, which he had argued in his 1793 edition of Political Justice, but later retracted. So dad thought marriage was bullshit, hmm. basically what it comes down to. July 28th, 1814, the couple eloped and secretly left for France, taking Mary's stepsister, Claire Claremont, with them. Okay, people. So let's let's do a quick recap here. Okay. Th- thus far. Okay. Right, okay. Logan, you got yep. this? I'm listening. I'm listening. There's two Mount Marys, okay. right? There, there's like eight. Oh, we're, we're up to eight now? <laughs> oh, shit. Okay, I'm lost. Yeah. Mary yeah. grew up into a broken home, broken family. Yeah. Right? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, because mom died. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. And dad started a, uh, what do you call it? A toy gaming educational business that was going belly up. Right. Makes sense. Makes sense. Okay. So Mary finds a rich guy. Mm. Who's significantly older than her. Gotcha. Mm. And she does the heebie-jeebie nasties in the graveyard. Uh-huh. And then the dad finds out. hmm mm-hmm. And now it's all about to come unravel. And then they skate off to France and elope. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh. so dad's probably pissed. So they took, like, again, they took the stepsister <clears throat> with her. Okay? After convincing Mary's mother, who took off after them to Calais. Right, right. Okay. Um, Hold, hold on a second. I'm I'm assuming this is Mary's stepmother. Because Mary's mother is... I'm telling you, there's so many fucking Marys, yeah, dude. Yeah, she died. Yeah. Anyway, she, so Mary's mother took off after they did not wish to return. And then the trio traveled to Paris. And then by donkey, mule, carriage, and foot through France. Recently ravaged by war all the way to Switzerland. Is there a difference between a donkey and a mule? Yeah. What is the difference? A donkey is half horse, half mule. What? Yeah. What? <laughs> I'm, I'm almost 100% positive that's what it is. A donkey. I thought a donkey and a mule were the same thing. No. Yeah. A mule is its own thing, but a donkey is part horse and part mule. Okay. So. So it's basically if a horse and a mule banged it out in a graveyard. Yeah. They're going to have uh, a donkey. Right. 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 Okay. Much like a lemon is not truly found in nature. Which I wish they would have called it a honky. That'd been better. Dude, that would have been amazing. <laughs> yes. What you riding on there, Bill? We Trish? need three honkies for the trip. <laughs> honky. I'm taking my honky up the street, yeah? Well, you know. He's hungry. We'll have to put my honky down. Yeah, Logan, do me a favor. I'm pretty sure that... Uh, I look that up about the donkey thing. I think that's okay. right. Okay. Difference between a donkey and a meal. I don't mean to do it. <laughs> <laughs> you have to go step by step. Just look it up. Anyway... So, um, you know, they went off and then they decided they didn't want to fucking come back and they went all the way to Switzerland. Quote, it was acting in a novel being an incarnate romance. Mary Shelley recalled in 1826, Godwin wrote about France in 1814. Quote, the distress of the inhabitants whose houses had been burned, their cattle killed and all their wealth destroyed has given a sting to my detesta- detestation of war. Because this is right after war and everything was fucked up over there. Ah, see, you had your you had your information confused. So a donkey is just a smaller horse where a mule is a hybrid of a male donkey and a male. Okay, so a it's the mule that's a hybrid of the donkey and a well, horse. You were close, though. Yeah, I knew it was something like that. That's pretty good. We should go to trivia night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ding, ding, ding. <laughs> Unless we're doing movies and speed round and I forget yeah. everything. Because that's what happened last time. Son oh, that's bitch. right. I yeah, remember that. That was horrible. Yeah, I crushed that. Yeah. So <laughs> so basically they go through this, you know, they're walking around and, you know, and these are all, you know, well-to-do fucking young people and they're seeing the devastation of war. As they traveled, Mary and Percy read books by Mary Wollstonecraft, that's her mother, and others kept a joint journal and continued their own writing. Finally, at Lucerne, lack of money forced the three to turn back. Instead, they traveled down the Rhine and by land to the Dutch port of, oh man, that word, massless. <laughs> Why are there two A's next to each other? 
Mass. I think it's Ma S. Lewis. Ma S. Lewis. Ma S. Lewis. Ma S. Lewis. It's probably right, too, which is going to be fucking whatever. Arriving at Gravesend in Kent on September 13th of 1814. The situation awaiting Mary Godwin in England was packed with bullshit. Oh. Some of which she had not expected. Either before or during the journey, she had become pregnant. (laughs) Yes, yes. She and Percy now found themselves penniless, and to Mary's stupid-ass surprise, her father refused to have anything to do with her. Oh, Oh, shocker. Oh, so you're knocked up from that asshole, huh? (laughs) How's it going, Mary? I'm going to go eat this loaf of bread that I bought with my money. (laughs) (laughs) But I want bread too, Dad. Oh, my God. I almost (laughs) shot it all over the place. (laughs) But yes, of course. So the couple moved uh, with Claire into lodgings at Summerstown and later Nelson Square. They kept doing their thing, reading and writing and entertaining Percy Shelley's friends. Percy Shelley would often leave home for short periods to dodge uh, bill collectors, <laughs> and the couple's heartbroken letters would reveal their pain while he was away. Oh, it's sad. Oh, <laughs> day seven. He's gone. I'm pregnant and hungry. Oh. Right. That's exactly what it was. Pregnant? <laughs> pregnant and often sick, Mary Godwin had to hear of Percy's joy at the birth of his son by Harriet Shelley in late 1814 due to his constant escapades with Claire Claremont. Remember the stepsister? Why do all these people have, like, these names that, like, just rhyme? And <laughs> What's your name? Bob. Bob what? Bobson. <laughs> Bob Kabob is my name. I would be Tim Timothy. <laughs> I don't know. I have no idea. My name is Justin Rustin. <laughs> Justin. Pleased to meet you. Bob Slob. So supposedly Shelley and Claremont were almost certainly lovers, which caused Mary to be rightfully jealous. Ooh. And yes, Claire was Mary's cousin. Percy was friggin' a creep. Actually, it was not a cousin. It was her stepsister. So they went together. Remember, they all left together. And then Percy and Claire got close to each other. And remember, it just said he was dodging and leaving. He yeah. was leaving with her. Oh, yeah. no. While she's pregnant. He's been he's been upgrading the whole time. So Percy was a fucking creep. That's yeah. all we're saying. He was a creep. Percy pissed off Mary when he suggested that they both take the plunge to a stream naked <gasps> during a walk in the French countryside. There could be leeches. Oh. Well, this offended her due to her principles and her sensibilities. And she was like, oh, hell no, nah, son. <laughs> <laughs> And started taking off her earrings in a rage or something like that. I don't know. I, I wasn't there. So she was partly consoled by the visits of Hogg. Yeah, it's a friend of theirs whom she disliked at first, but soon considered a close friend. Percy Shelley seems to have wanted Mary and Hogg to become lovers. Oh. Yes. So Percy was trying to hook her up with his friend so he could go and shag Claire. So he's a swinger. This is like a fucking soap opera, dude. Yeah. I swear to God. I'm telling you, I was going through this. I'm just like, what the fuck this poor lady had to go through? Ah, anyway. You'll make it even better. What? We all had like Spanish accents reading this. Spanish? Yes. Why Spanish? It's Telemundo. It's like what you would watch oh, a Telemundo I see what you're Yeah, yeah. Well, Telemundo. Ah, uh, yes. We need Davey for that, though. Yeah, we do. Yes, yes. I mean, though he's not really Mexican. Yeah, but he's, he's a good actor, right? <laughs> yeah, he's really good at it. Yeah. He's really, he, he really lives in Montana up in the hills. <laughs> Wait, he's Canadian. not Mexican? Yeah. He's Canadian. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So Mary did not dismiss the idea since she believed in free love in principle. So this is like she was a hippie before being a hippie was cool. What? Uh, Oh, yeah. 
So Percy probably just wanted to not feel guilty for hooking up with her uh, stepsister. You uh, should fuck Hog. I'm just saying. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, Mary, I was thinking, um, I know he's nothing to look at and perhaps not very bright, but you know why they call him Hog, right? Oi. That's the pooper button. We need the cheat sheet on there. Jeff, it's this one. Dollar you. Yeah. Okay. I know orange and green now. Yeah, there you go. That's what you need. Orange and Sorry, green. Sorry, poopers. I know yeah. you got excited there for a minute. They were like, <gasps> yeah, they all burnt. I'm like, oh, wait, shh. <laughs> they turned it up real quick. So in reality, however, she loved only Percy and seemed to have gone no further than flirting with Hog. On February 22nd, 1815, she gave birth to a two-month premature baby girl who was not expected to survive. On March 6th, she wrote to Hog, quote, My dearest Hog, my baby is dead. Will you come to, uh, come to see me as soon as you can? I wish to see you. It was perfectly well when I went to bed. I awoke in the night to give it a suck. Or to give it suck, it appeared to be sleeping so quietly that I would not awake it. It was dead then, but we did not find that out till morning. From its appearance, it evidently died of convulsions. Will you come? You are so calm a creature, and Shelley is afraid of fever from the milk, for I am no longer a mother now. End quote. It's fucking sad. Isn't that sad? Yeah, that's sad. sad. I, I'm dumbfounded by the way they talked. Oh, it's it's so... I'm just like following on like, what? <laughs> like, if I got that letter, I'd be like, what? <laughs> What's he say about milk? Yeah. <laughs> and who's dead? What I'd the have, fuck? I'd have to call Chainsaw and be like, hey, I got a letter that I need you to explain to me from, you know, the 1700s. He'd be like, oh, yeah, no problem. He's like, yeah, I was in high school back then. <laughs> I got it. Yeah. <laughs> the loss of her child brought about acute depression in Mary. She was haunted by visions of the baby, but she conceived again and had recovered by the summer. With a revival in Percy's finances after the death of his grandfather, shocker, Sir, B B Sir Bish Shelley, Bish, I'm telling you, it looks like Bish. And the couple holidayed in Torquay and then rented a two-story cottage at Bishopsgate on the edge of Windsor Creek Park. Okay, so obviously he now has money because his grandfather died. Right. Percy's a dick. I'm sorry, but Percy is a fucking dick. He sounds a lot like the, uh, what was Billy Zane's character from Titanic? Yes. Yes. <laughs> That's who he absolutely sounds like. I make my own luck. Yeah. <laughs> unfortunately, unfortunately, little is known about this period of Mary Godwin's life since her journal from May of 1815 to July of 1816 was lost. At Bishopsgate, Percy wrote his poem, Alistair, and or The Spirit of Solitude. And it's so, excuse me, it's so weird how they actually like made up the names of their books. Like it's Frankenstein or the modern Prometheus. And this is Alistair or the Spirit of Solitude. Like pick a fucking name of the book, yeah. you know? And on uh, January 24th of 1816, Mary gave birth to a second child, William, named after her father and soon nicknamed Wilmouse. In her novel, The Last Man, she later imagined Windsor as a Garden of Eden. Mm, she loved the place. She thought it was fantastic. So yeah, she got a little she got a little dude out of it now. Little William, right? Will Mouse. Will Mouse. Will Mouse. In May of 1816, Mary, Percy, and their son traveled to Geneva with Claire Claremont. Yes, the uh, sister or the the yeah. secret lover. Correct. Yes, he's still friends with them. They planned. To We're gonna stop for the bathroom break. Me and Claire are gonna go. Check this out. Yeah. Claire, you mind we'll uh, be back. coming with me? I've got an idea, and I don't want Mary to hear it. It's, it's a gift. Yeah. A gift idea. <laughs> yes, it's a, it's for a birthday, I believe. You talk with Hog. We'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> they planned to spend the summer with the poet Lord Byron, whose recent affair with Claire had left her pregnant. Claire sounds like a bit of a trollop. Oh, wow. Yes. I was going to reach for the button. I was like, I don't want to hit the wrong one. Just hit it. It's, it's the, the yellow. One. One. It's oh, it is yellow. 
There you go. You'll get it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so no judging here. I'm not judging at all. I'm just making an observation. The party arrived in Geneva on May 14th of 1816, where Mary called herself, quote, Mrs. Shelley. Byron joined them on May 25th with his young physician, John William Polidori, and rented the Via Diodotte, close to Lake Geneva at the village of Coligny. Percy rented a smaller building calling uh, called Maison Chapuis. Chapui. It's Maison Chapuis <laughs> on the waterfront nearby. Okay. <laughs> anyway, they spent their time riding boating on the lake and talking late into the night. What does all this have to do with Sounds this? Sounds so boring, right? Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> What does this have to do? Well, we're getting there. Quote, it proved a wet, ungenial summer, Mary Shelley Ooh. remembered in 1831. Quote, and incessant rain often confined us for days to the house. Sitting around a log fire at Byron's villa, the company amused themselves with German ghost stories called Phantasmagoriana. Oh. Yes. Which, have you ever heard of Phantasmagoria? Mm-hmm. That's kind of where it stems from. The magazine? That's, uh, that's, that's Fangoria. Fangoria. Oh, yeah. that's right. Yeah, yeah. So there's Phantasm, which was a movie yeah. way back in the day, and then there's Phantasmagoria. It all stems from the same thing. Okay. So, which prompted Byron to propose that they each write a ghost story. So that's why this was important, because Lord Byron came in and was like, listen, we've been listening to these ghost stories. You're both like, you know, read books and, you know, you write all these other different things. You should write a ghost story. Each one of you should write a ghost story. So unable to think up an account, young Mary became flustered. Quote, have you thought of a story? I was asked each morning, and each morning I was forced to reply with a mortifying negative. Finally, one mid-June evening, the discussions turned to the principle of life. Quote, perhaps a corpse would be reanimated, Mary noted. Quote, galvanism had given token of such things. Galvanism, you guys heard about that? I believe so, yes. Because we're going to talk about that in a little like further in depth at the end of this. But That's what they do with metal, right? Well, no. Oh. Galvanism is a term invented by the late 18th century physicist and chemist chemist <laughs> chemist Alessandro Volta to refer to the generation of electric current by chemical action okay oh. the word also came to refer to the discoveries of its namesake Luigi Galvani specifically the generation of electric current within biological organisms and the contraction convulsion of natural muscle tissue upon contact with electric current like when you were in school and you fucking took that electricity and put it on a frog yeah i was going to say meanwhile in america we're just stealing land Right. Like these guys are doing amazing things right. oh, and groundbreaking things that we're just stealing land from people. We're just like, ah, uh, you know what? Mine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Little flag. Yeah. Mine. I'm going to take this red man. Thanks. <laughs> Here, I have this thing called chicken pox. You can have it. I listened to your last episode and it was offensive to Indians. I'm an Indian and I'm really upset. I wasn't there. You go. I saved you guys. You go. I, I was being offensive it. towards white folk, is what I was being back then. Well, I'm white now. I'm offended. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Good. Go fuck yourself. You're not really white. It got crickets right there. I know. Yep. I don't know what to say for that one. <laughs> <laughs> Am I not really white? No one's ever told you that. No, I'm not. I've never been told this before. Okay. Well, there's a first for everything. Yes. Logan. Yes. You're white. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. It sucks, right? <laughs> so, um, galvanism, uh, again, just talking about this here. Um, 
uh, Luigi Galvani used to go through and whatever. So while Volta theorized and later demonstrated the phenomenon of his galvanism to be um, replicable with otherwise inert materials, Galvani thought his discovery to confirm the existence of animal electricity, oh. a vital force that gave life to organic matter. Oh. See what we're getting at here, folks? Frankenstein. I, reanimating. I reanimating. Do. And it actually stems from actual science that was happening back in those days. It's And I got an awesome story at the end of this that's going to fucking and, like it blew my mind when I heard it. So nice. you made Frankenstein. It, it's pretty cool, huh? You made a Frankenstein. Yeah, you. <laughs> <laughs> Told you you're not white. <laughs> <laughs> I just did it a little bit differently. <laughs> oh man. So again, we'll talk a little bit more about Galvani <laughs> and a murderer by the name of George Foster toward the end of the episode. Oh what? boy, they had yeah. murderers back in the day. Uh, what? What? <laughs> It was uh, after midnight before they retired, and she was unable to sleep, mainly because she became overwhelmed by her imagination as she kept thinking about the grim terrors of her waking dream. Yeah, we know what that's like. Her ghost story. With music writing, once oh, the yeah. wheels are spinning, you don't stop until you pass out. Uh, to this day, I still cannot sleep with music playing in the background, because I will sit there and rip apart every <laughs> single note, every part of it. Like, why would they do that? I, know. I would do. I would have done this instead. They should have doubled that chorus. That chorus needs a better harmony. I really don't like that melody. Why are they using that key? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. My I, head, I swear to God. I do that with people that are listening to music and they're like, hey, you should check this song on. They play it and I'm just like, hmm. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It's so hard. <laughs> and they're like, why? What's wrong with it? And I'm like, well, the drums are this and this. And, and they're so excited <laughs> to show it to you too. And you're just like, this fucking sucks. I know. <laughs> you know what I mean? And you're yeah. like, Sorry, dude. It's like a curse. Yeah, it really is. Don't ask me questions if you don't want to hear the fucking truth. Yeah, chainsaw. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't even know where that came from. I know. I'm just waking him up. So, I don't want him to crash that semi. Oh, yeah, that's Fall true. asleep. So her ghost story goes like this. Quote, I saw the pale student of unhallowed arts kneeling beside the thing he had put together. I saw the hideous phantasm of a man stretched out and then on the working of some powerful engine show signs of life and stir with an uneasy half vital motion. Frightful must it be, for supremely frightful would be the effect of any human endeavor to mock the stupendous me mechanism of the creator of the world, end quote. Wow. You know, it's kind of interesting, though, because this is like the birth of, what are those pad those paddles when they bring you back to life? The defibrillators? Yeah. Those are electrical currents. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So this is kind of like where that stemmed from. Probably. Well, yeah, I mean, that's kind of, eventually. yeah, it all eventually moved in that direction. Yeah. She began writing what she assumed would be a short, profound story. With Percy Shelley's encouragement, she turned her little idea into her first novel, Frankenstein or the Modern Prometheus. I was going to say, Frankenstein goes to the zoo. <laughs> Frankenstein saves Christmas. Now, um, published in 1818, she later described that time in Switzerland as, quote, when I first stepped out from childhood into life. The story of the writing of Frankenstein has been fictionalized repeatedly, and it helped form the basis for several films, which I think we're going to be talking about in our movies section tonight. So here's a cool little side note. In September of 2011, the astronomer Donald Olson, after a visit to Lake Geneva Villa the previous year and inspecting data about the motion of the moon and stars, concluded that her waking dream, Mary's waking dream, took place, quote, between 2 a.m. and 3 a.m. on June 16th, 1816, several days after the initial idea, Lord Byron, that they each write their own ghost stories. Huh. So he actually sat down and figured out almost exactly when she came up with that idea. That's crazy. That's insane. That is crazy. Back in 1816, dude. Yeah. I'm talking 200 years ago. It must have been nice to have nothing to do and be able to do that, right? <laughs> so what are you doing today? Well, I've got to uh, figure out when a woman wrote a book. 
What about a job? <laughs> that is my job. Oh. <laughs> Who pays you? I people. You know. <laughs> when they throw so money. Me, you write a story and who publishes it? Yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah. People give me money. For what? Because I do tricks on the street. Shut up. <laughs> so Shelly and her husband collaborated on the story, but the extent of Percy's con- contribution, because he's a dick, to the novel is unknown and has been argued over the uh, over by readers and critics forever. There are differences in the 1818, 1823, and 1831 versions. Mary Shelley wrote, quote, I certainly did not owe the suggestion of one incident, nor scarcely of one train of feeling, to my husband, and yet, but for his incitement, it would never have taken the form in which it was presented to the world. In other words, he didn't have shit to do with it. Yeah, it's Percy, come on. Right. She wrote that the preface to the first edition was her husband's work, quote, as far as I can recollect. Though he he put the preface in there, the preface. Because back then, and I'm probably going to get a lot of shit for this, but do you think because back then it was like a woman-man thing? Like she came up with this whole idea and everything. He's like, you know, Mary, I'm a man. (laughs) Right. So let's say it's my idea because no one would believe it's from a woman. Correct. Oh, yeah. Which I'm really like baffled by that that didn't happen, to be honest with you. Right. You know, uh, I was thinking, uh, Mary, um, (laughs) that story would be a lot better if it had my name on it. Exactly. I just believe that it would sell more, you know. Because I have a penis, and you don't. So therefore, you know, go back and make me a sandwich, bitch. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. I'm just saying that's what they thought. Yeah. I'm married to a very, very independent business-owning woman, so... That's what it was like Listen, back then, I, I get it. Yeah, we're totally making fun. Because, yeah, my grandmother was the youngest, or birthed 14 kids and didn't do nothing crazy? but shit out kids back then. It's so crazy. My, my grandma was the same way. Uh, she yeah. came from, like... I think 15, 15 or 16. So people. many kids. Could you imagine having that many kids? Fuck no. Yeah. Like no. that's insane. No. I can no. barely handle the one I have. It's yeah. probably why the, the fathers always died in their 30s in those <laughs> families. You know what I mean? They never made it past 30. He died of too many kids syndrome. Yeah. Yes. He had too many kids and just decided to wander off and die under a tree. <laughs> like where would they sleep? You can only have so many bunk beds. And then with my dad, he used to tell me all the time because they lived like in a farmhouse and they only had like a few bedrooms. Yeah. And they had like, you know, seven boys and six or seven girls or whatever it was back then. And it's like you basically just slept in a room with other people. Right. God, that would suck. Yeah. Like, it's nuts. Yeah, not very fun, no. Yeah. But the fucked up thing about that whole thing is it, it was affordable back then. You could do it back then. Right. You could feed a family and like make a living and have 14 kids. Hell yeah, man. Yeah, off but of, back then. Off you a milkman salary. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Literally. And you can also like, you know, not you could have a farm. Well, that was the thing, though. That's why they had so many kids. Yeah, to because those farm. kids would work the fucking farm. Yeah, you know right. what I mean? Like, those kids would get out there and be freaking busting their ass. Yeah. You know? Come home from work from, you know, wherever you work and yeah. come home and you better have them cows done. You know? Yeah. My yeah. wife used to have to work the farm, her family's farm, when she was little. It's one thing. I'm, I mean, I've helped my father out numerous times, but I'm so glad I never had to do that, as, like, as a kid. Yeah, I couldn't imagine. Like, dude, do you know how heavy bales of hay are? No, oh, how yeah. heavy are they? They're fucking stupid heavy. Yeah. Stupid. They're st- and you got to pick them. Ah, oh, dude, I did that one summer and I was like, Mm-mm. <laughs> nope. Uh-uh. I'm going to go and play my video game. Bye, Dad. I, I know. I spent <laughs> my childhood on my my little uh, big wheel bike watching Karate Kid in between and just like yeah. running around being an asshole, breaking all my dad's stuff. Spoiled little bastards. Yeah, that's yeah. what I did. Yeah. Well, you know what? My dad said it all the time. Says the reason that I get to, and he did all that so I could do what I have, or I can have what I have now. That's cool. You know what I mean? That's yeah. the truth. Yeah. He busted his ass so I didn't have to. Anyway, sorry. 
At the same time, Anne K. Meller later argued Percy only, quote, made many technical corrections and several times clarified the narrative and thematic continuity of the text. So fuck him in his royal poop. Oh, yeah, really? Er. <laughs> Space it out now. Yeah, I don't like this guy at all. Like, no. just going through this, I think he's a fucking, he was a dickhead. Sounds like a twat. Yep. Charles E. Robinson, the editor of a facsimile edition of the Frankenstein manuscripts, concluded that Percy's contributions to the book, quote, were no more than what most publishers' editors have provided new or old authors, or, in fact, what colleagues have provided to each other after reading each other's works in progress. So eat one, Percy. Wow. Suck a dick. Just kidding. Anyway, I, I, I just don't like him. So in 1840, in 1842, Mary and her son traveled together all over the continent, which is awesome. Mary recorded these trips and rambles in Germany and Italy in 1840, 1842, and 1843. In 1844, Sir Timothy Shelley finally died at the age of 90, falling from the stalk like an overblown flower, Mary put it. I, I believe that's um, Percy's father. I was going to say, yeah, who is that? Yeah, that's Percy's father. For the first time in her life, she and her son were financially independent though the remaining estate wasn't worth as much as they had thought. In mid-1840s, Mary Shelley found herself in the crosshairs of three separate blackmailing sons of bitches. Wow. First, in 1845, an Italian political exile called Gateshi, whom she had met in Paris, threatened to publish letters she had sent him. Scandalous. How dare he, you twat. <laughs> With the white glove off and yes. <laughs> across the face. <laughs> you twat. However, a friend of her son's bribed a police chief into seizing Gateshi's pep, uh, papers, including the letters which were then destroyed. How much do you think that took? Van Fantulo Gateshi, ha ha! Like one quarter? Uh, one one pence. Like, hey, I have this quarter if you will uh, do this for me. Over there would be a pence. A pence. Or oh, a yeah. pound. Or a shilling. Yeah. Yes, a shilling and a, a pound shilling. are the same thing, I believe, right? Uh, no, a shilling is. Nah, let me get to I thought exact. it was. I thought it was one hundred. I think pence. they're equivalent as far as the value. Well, I mean, well, yeah, yeah. As far as like a dollar, yeah. I mean, their money's worth more than ours. Look at now, us but... acting like we know about money. Yeah, we're on a podcast. We have no idea. <laughs> oh, never mind. That's Kenyan shillings. That's not the same. <laughs> Kenyan shillings. <laughs> oh wait. Ah, <laughs> uh, see, the pound back in 1066, the pound was divided into 20 shillings or 240 pennies. So they had pennies back then. Apparently, back in that's 10, not a lot. So a quid is a pound. I know that, right? Yeah, that's five. A quid? Yes. No, a quid is the same as a is a pound. You said shilling was the same as a pound. That's what I said. What aren't they? I think quid is just like the slang word for a pound. Oh, going yeah. right. Are you, are you looking it so. up? Because I'm, I'm, we actually I'm, have English listeners, and I feel like such an asshole right now for not knowing it. Way this. to go. <laughs> they're probably so right now like, you quid, stupid shit. A quid is one pound of sterling. No, you know what they're doing? They're just like, <laughs> American school system. Exactly. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I measured that in inches, okay, if that helps you at all. Because, <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> we're fucking stupid. Anyway, um... I'm sorry. Mary Shelley found herself in the crosshairs again. This son of a bitch. Shortly afterward, Mary Shelley bought some uh, letters written by herself and Percy Shelley from a man calling himself G. Byron and posing as the illegitimate son of the late Lord Byron. Remember Lord Byron, the one that gave them the idea to write the ghost stories? Yes. Also in 1845, Percy Shelley's cousin Thomas Medwin approached her, claiming to have written a damaging biography of Percy Shelley. Oh. He said he would suppress it in return for 250 pounds. 
But Mary told him to eat a big old bag of dicks and jog on. Man, everybody's out to get this person, I know. Guy, huh? Really? Well, because she made a little bit of money. Yeah. You know, yeah. she wrote this story and everyone's like, <gasps> In 1848, Percy Florence married Jane Gibson St. John. The marriage proved a happy one. And Mary like, liked Jane. Okay, so that's... These are all like siblings and cousins and stuff. It gets all whatever. Mary lived with her son and daughter-in-law at Field Place, Sussex, the uh, Shelley's ancestral home in Chester Square, London, and vacation with them as well. So this is just kind of getting to like afterwards or whatever. Mary's last years were blighted by illness. From 1839, she suffered from headaches and bouts of paralysis in parts of her body, which sometimes prevented her from reading and writing, obviously two of her favorite things. Right. Then on February 1st, 1851 at Chester Square, Mary Shelley died at 53. That's a good run for back then. 53. Not too bad. Yeah. For in the early or yeah, early 1800s. Yeah. yeah. From what her doctor suspected was a brain tumor. Yikes. Yeah. According to Jane Shelley, Mary had asked to be buried with her mother and father. Still looking at the graveyard at San Pancras and calling it dreadful, Percy and Jane chose to bury her instead at St. Peter's Church in Bournemouth near the new home at uh, Bascom, which is fucking bullshit. Yeah. Like, she wanted to be married with her mom and dad, and he was like, oh, that place is so over." He got the last one in, didn't he? Yes, he's like, Ugh. Which, if you guys want to know about the history of uh, cemeteries, that's going to be the bonus for this week, so sign up for Ooh. Patreon, and we'll actually talk about it. There's a lot of cool shit in there, and stuff that I'm like, what? That's so obvious. Like, it, it's stupid because you don't think about it, you know? Real quick, if I wanted to join the Patreon, I just go to patreon.com and I type in forward slash... The Midnight Train Podcast. Okay. Or you Mo- go to the, Moving on. Or you go to the midnighttrainpodcast.com and click on the little Patreon button right at the top of the page. Anyway, it's that easy. <laughs> it's that easy. <laughs> Our little plug there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, anyway, yeah, so he took her and whatever. So on the first anniversary of Mary's death, the Shelleys opened her box desk Inside, inside, they found locks of her dead children's hair, a notebook she had shared with uh, Percy, and a copy of his poem, Ad, uh, Adonis, with one page folded around a silk parcel containing some of his ashes and the remains of his heart. Quick question. Does yeah. hair ever die? It like breaks, eventually? It breaks down, yeah. Once it, yeah, once it comes off your body or whatever. You could, No, you can actually, it depends on where you keep it. I was going to say, because I, I know that was like a popular thing they used to do back then is locks of hair, but like, you could how have long like does that last? Uh, I, I would assume long, long as long, long as it's not in air or in water or anything biodegradable, it would last probably forever. Mm, I'm going to Google that while hey, you move on here. Hey, Google, sponsor us. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, she had, you know, this, um, some of his ashes and remains of his heart in oh, this wow. thing, which is romantic and disturbing at the same time. You know, maybe a little bit of both here. Mary Shelley remained a stout political radical throughout her life. Mary's works often suggested that cooperation and sympathy, mainly as practiced by women in the family, were the ways to reform civil society. This view directly challenged the individualistic romantic ethos uh, promoted by Percy Shelley and Enlightenment political theories. She wrote seven novels, two travel narrations, 23 short stories, three books of children's literature, and many articles. Wow. Mary Shelley left her mark on the literary world, and her name will be forever etched in the catacombs of horror for generations to come. When it comes to reanimation, uh, yeah, guess what? There's something else we need to talk about here. Oh. But would you like to know about hair real quick? Yes, let's hear about oh, hair. Let's hear about hair. I got to crack so a beer anyway. If it's preserved, it can last several, several. It doesn't give an actual time. It just says several years, okay? Okay. If it's not preserved, two years, and then kind of withers. Really? Yeah. Huh. That's what Google says. Google. Hmm. Oh, 
cool. By the way, I don't, I don't know if you guys out there, are, if you guys ever check out Wikipedia and stuff like that, I tend to get uh, a decent amount of information and go through and kind of like go through different websites and stuff. But I always look at, you know, Wikipedia or whatever. They're going through some hard times right now. They're like yeah. begging for uh, donations and shit. Money? Yeah. Because oh. it's a free site. It's free. Like they don't charge anything to use it. Oh, well. I mean, so I donated to them the other day. Oh, did you? Yeah. That was nice of you. Yeah, well, you know, I feel like... Is there a Midnight Train Wikipedia? Uh, I don't know. There well, should there be. Well, there should be now. Yeah. Right? Get us a, get us a fucking... One of our listeners will do it, because anybody could submit. Yeah, but it's probably going to be like, John is a flaming <laughs> asshole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, let's not do that. So anyway... We yeah. wish Jeff never came back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, fuck you, buddy. Hey, buddy. <laughs> so listen to this. George Forster, or Foster, they tend to kind of askew here, was found guilty of murdering his... His wife and child by drowning them in Paddington Canal, London. Uh oh. He was hanged at Newgate on January 18th, 1803, after which his body was taken to a nearby house where it was used in an experiment by Italian scientist Giovanni Aldini. Oh boy, I know where this is going. At his trial, the events were reconstructed. Forster's mother in law recounted that her daughter and grandchild had left her house to see Forster at 4 p.m. on Saturday, December 4th, at 8, uh, 1802. In those uh, in whose house Forrester lodged, okay, this is where he stayed, Joseph Bradfield reported that they had stayed together that night and gone out around 10 a.m. on Sunday morning. He also stated that Forrester and his wife had not been on good terms because she wished to live with him. On Sunday, uh, various witnesses saw Forrester with his wife and child in public houses near Paddington Canal. So everyone saw him, right? They're right. hanging out together. Yep. Right? Yep. The body of his child was found on Monday morning. After the canal was dragged for three days, his wife's body was also found. Forrester claimed that upon leaving the mitre, I guess, whatever that, the bar or something like that, he set out alone for Barnett to see his other two children in the workhouse there. Though he was forced to turn back at Whetstone due to the failing light. So it was getting dark outside. This was contradicted by a waiter at the mitre, so it has to be a restaurant then, right? Who said the three left the inn together. Skepticism was also expressed that he could have walked to Whetstone when he claimed. So they're saying, hey, it wasn't that dark. You could have went. Mm-hmm. Nevertheless, the jury found him guilty. He was sentenced to death and also to be dissected after that. Ugh. This sentence was designed to provide medicine with corpses on which to experiment. Uh, so the medical community with corpses on which to remember back then. This is how everyone was learning about medicine is that they had to get corpses. Yeah. And, and you guys heard about Burke and Hare and what they used to do. We should talk about them one of these days. Oh, yeah. You know those dusty old encyclopedias your parents got on the bookshelves? That's where these came from. Came from dead bodies. Yeah. That's where you have to learn, yeah. right? That's where you got to learn true. from. So um, basically, that's you know how they did this. And to ensure that the condemned could not rise on Judgment Day, their bodies having been cut into pieces and selectively discarded. So they were worried about them rising back up. So they sent them to the medical community and said, cut these motherfuckers up and use it to your advantage. She yes. does. She still do that. Yeah, I, I have no problems with that. Yeah. Forrester was hanged on January 18th, shortly before he made a full confession. He said he had come to hate his wife and had twice before taken his wife to the canal, but his nerve had both times failed him. A recent BBC knowledge documentary, uh, Real Horror Frankenstein, questions the fairness of the trial. It notes that friends of George Forrester's wife later claimed that she was highly suicidal and had often talked about killing herself and her daughter. According to this documentary, Forrester attempted suicide by stabbing himself with a crudely fashioned knife. This was to avoid awakening, awakening during the dissection of his body. 
should he have not died when hanged? Because they literally did not know if you would come back to life. Yeah. You know? It's fucking weird. And what's even more fucked up, too, is like there was never a divorce back then. Like that just didn't happen. Right. right? So like oh, if yeah. you hated your wife and you were miserable, you either killed her or you just dealt with it. Right. Yeah. It's It was a tough time back then. Yeah. Yeah. Well, sorry, ladies. <laughs> So this, uh, the, the whole them coming back to life or whatever was a real possibility owing to the crude methods of execution at the time. You know what I mean? So back then they were like, oh, just push him off a tree and he'll die. And and if you don't throw this rock at his head. Right. Exactly. Oh, I missed. Try again. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so the same reference suggests that his confession was obtained under duress, which happens a lot. And if you think it didn't happen back then, it happens now. All right. In fact, it alleges that Pass, a beadle or an official of a church or synagogue in Aldini's payroll, so it's just a church official. It wasn't Ringo. No, it was not. Ringo. Oh, I played the drums. Not, not that kind of beadle. <laughs> but I don't record them. <laughs> I've got John and Paul. fingers. <laughs> John and Paul actually recorded. I just pretend to play them. Yeah, this is B-E-A-D-L-E. Wrong beetle. Right, wrong beetle, right. But anyhow, they they, uh, they claim that he fast-tracked the entire uh, trial and legal procedure to obtain the freshest corpse possible for the people paying for it. This guy's a little weird, huh? Yeah. He's like, Harry, Harry, Harry. <laughs> Harry, Harry. Have him sit on that ice. <laughs> so after the execution, Forster's body was given to Giovanni Aldini for experimentation. Aldini was the nephew of fellow scientist Luigi Galvani. Remember we talked about uh, him? Galvanism. There's yeah, the connection. Yeah, yeah. And an enthusiastic proponent of his uncle's method of stimulating muscles with electric current known as galvanism. The experiment he performed on Forster's body demonstrated this technique. So this is what he wanted it for. He was trying to create an actual Frankenstein's monster. Uh-huh. The Newgate calendar, a record of executions at Newgate, reports that, quote, on the first application of the process to the face, the jaws of the deceased, uh, the, sorry, the jaws of the deceased criminal began to quiver, and the adjoining muscles were horribly contorted, and one eye was actually opened. In the subsequent part of the process, the right hand was raised and clenched, and the legs and thighs were set in motion. End quote. Several people present believe that Forster was being brought back to life. The Newgate calendar reports that even if it had been so, he would have been re-executed since his sentence was to hang until he'd be dead. <laughs> One man, Mr. Pass, the Beetle of Surgeons Company, the guy who sold off the whatever, was so shocked that he died shortly after leaving. Huh. Yes, yeah, so he, he left. freaked him out. Fucking freaked him out so much he had a fucking heart attack. And he's the guy that fast-tracked Forster uh, being executed. Yeah. You know what I mean? And he ended up dying from it. So Forster got the last laugh. Yeah, but so back then, I mean, none of this has ever been thought of. You know, this is like the original. Oh, they thought, yeah. Yeah, so they're, they they're freaking the fuck Absolutely. out when that thing was like, bzz, bzz, and twitching like the arms. <laughs> like, and now I'll move his ankle. Bzz, and like his ankle moves. And everyone's like, <gasps> he's alive. Yeah. So the hanged People just throwing up like <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> the hangman was undoubtedly dead since his blood had been drained and his spinal cord severed after the execution. And now, boys and girls, it's your favorite part of the show, the movie review. Which top ten movies will make the cut today? Midnight Train Podcast. With all the 
discuss the 10 best Frankenstein movies in all history. And before some of you start saying, but Frankenstein is the doctor, not the monster. Yeah, we know. But him, the monster himself, considered Dr. Frankenstein to be his father and creator. So calling the monster Frankenstein, it's okay. So, all aboard. Hello, ladies and cabrones. This is your friend David Debato, and this is the Midnight Train Podcast Top 10 Movies, where we discuss the top 10 movies ranked according to the Internet Movie Database. And tonight, we will discuss the 10 best Frankenstein movies ever made. But before we start, the guys at the Midnight Train Podcast asked me to clarify something real quick. I, David Debato, am 100% Mexican. I was born and raised in Mexico. And I'm not just some random dude making fun of Mexicans or our country. Yes, 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 I know, it's obvious. But just wanted to get that out of the way in case some of you passengers get offended thinking we are just a bunch of assholes making fun of Mexicans. I am Mexican and I approve this message. Anyway, without further ado, here are the top 10 Frankenstein movies in all history. Number 10. Frankenstein Must Be Destroyed, 1969. In this movie, Baron Frankenstein, he elaborates a crazy plan to kidnap the insane Dr. Brandt so he can conduct the first human brain transplant. With the help of his disciple Carl and his fiancée Anna, all hell breaks loose when Frankenstein's monster comes to life. Number 9. The Revenge of Frankenstein, 1958. This time around, Dr. Frankenstein finds his way to Germany after escaping a public execution under the disguise of Dr. Victor Stein. The madman begins to collect spare body parts from corpses around the country and conduct experiments to reanimate a patchwork human being. <laughs> what a wacko. The Curse of Frankenstein, 1957. While imprisoned, Victor Frankenstein explains how he came of age under the teachings of Dr. Paul Kremp after finding an interest in the nature of life on Earth. Frankenstein successfully revives a dead dog. He then goes like, Man, I am the best. <laughs> and decides he's going to reanimate a human body, which ends up putting his cousin Elizabeth in danger. Number seven. Son of Frankenstein, 1939. Son of Frankenstein stars Boris Karloff as the monstrous murderer kept in hiding by deceased Dr. Frankenstein's son, Baron Wolf von Frankenstein. As Frankenstein's monster lies dormant in a cell somewhere in the doctor's castle, 
the disgraced Baron attempts to reclaim the glory of his family's name by resurrecting the monster and nursing him back to health. With the help of his father's aid Igor and his medical notes, the monster is revived from his coma and begins killing all the people in town. <laughs> Number six. The Monster Squad. Not your typical Frankenstein movie. Plotwise, the movie Monster Squad revolves around the Monster Squad, a gang of preteen horror fanatics who take it upon themselves to save the world when their quaint town is overrun by Count Dracula, Wolfman, the Mummy, Gilman, and Frankenstein's monster. <laughs> Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein, 1948. Abbott and Costello Meet Frankenstein is the first in a series of films in which the comedic duo of both Abbott and Lou Costello meet horror villains from Universal's classic monster movie lineup. The comedians play a pair of bumbling porters, one of which gets tricked by Count Dracula in the attempt to steal his brain to insert it into Frankenstein's monster. To help is the Wolfman, who assists the porter's friend in saving the day before it's too late. Ah! Bride of Frankenstein Four years after the original Frankenstein film, Bride of Frankenstein was released as a sequel to the original movie. Colin Clive reprises his role as Dr. Henry Frankenstein with Boris Karloff doing the same as the movie's menacing monster. When the mad scientist opts to find a bride for his beloved monster, he finds assistance from the even crazier Dr. Pretorius to help him realize his sinister vision. As the two collect a spate of human body parts, they eventually build the monster's mate. Ooh, yeah! Number three. Frankenstein, 1931. When the deranged Dr. Henry Frankenstein decides to play God by bringing the dead back to life with reanimated body parts harvested from various corpses, a chain of deadly, unintended consequences unleashed. When Frankenstein's monster is successfully revived, he goes on a killing spree until the town folks hunt him down with pitchforks. Number two. The Spirit of the Beehive, 1973. The Spirit of the Beehive is a Spanish fantasy horror film in which the lasting legacy of the original Frankenstein movie continues to haunt a little girl's every waking moment. Set in a small Spanish village in 1940, the story picks up when a traveling theater brings James Wells Frankenstein to town. Upon watching the film, emotionally broken, seven-year-old Anna is deeply devastated by the film and sets out with her sister Isabel to find the monster themselves. Man, that sounds dangerous. Why, why, why would two little girls go after a monster? John Frankenstein, 1974. This classic comedy parody stars Gene Wilder as Dr. Frederick Frankenstein, Peter Boyle as the monster, and Marty Feldman as the hunchback helper Igor. As the proud grandson of Henry Frankenstein, Frederick returns to Transylvania to prove his father's sound mental state. 
Once there, he uncovers the process of reanimating corpses, prompting him to follow in his grandfather's footsteps. When the monster is born, they're all in grave danger. <laughs> and there you have it. I hope you guys enjoyed this week's top 10 movie rankings. Don't forget to check next week's episode for more top 10 rankings. Remember, I am David Debato and this is the Midnight Train Podcast. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> David's doing his own production yeah, now. Man. Wow. By the way, Monster Squad, one of my all-time favorite movies as a kid. Wolfman has nards. Yes, yeah, that and yeah. um um uh, Young Frankenstein. Yeah, that's a good one. God, too. it's so good. It's so great that he does these though, because now we get the perspective over there in Mexico, like what they're familiar with and what they're not. Yeah, like, right, right. he told me he's never seen any of these. That's crazy. Huh? Like, that's oh my awesome. god, some of them are classics. You know, I've literally seen probably I think almost every single one of those. Yeah. So Davey and I should hang out more then, because you guys <laughs> yeah, you and, ju and just watch movies. That's what you guys should do. And I love how he like tried to use every sound effect he had. <laughs> like we have a crow, a bell. <laughs> Good awesome. job, Davey. You killed it, man. Yeah, man That's that awesome. awesome. So passengers, listen, we hope you enjoyed your ride with us on Mary Shelley. I mean, what do you guys think, dude? Like what a, what a crazy life yeah, that yeah. I had no idea about. I just knew that she had written. And first and foremost, let's, let's actually just say how it is here. The fact that in the early 1800s, that a woman wrote what was considered to be science fiction and it became such a huge novel. Well, you know what I mean? The fact that it's connected to that Giovanni guy yeah. who was actually working on like a real reanimation. Yeah. The fact that she's part of that circle yeah. and then wrote that story, that makes it even better to me. Yeah. Like that's so cool. Like, there's a, what are the odds that that all lines yep, up? Yep. There's a know? cinch, a cinch of truth to the, the story of Frankenstein's monster. You know what I mean? And it's, I mean, of course, they didn't actually have this monster uh, walking around and shit. But the fact that they, you know, she w heard about galvanism. It was a thing that was going on. And then all of a sudden she wrote this, you know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. just, it's awesome. It is cool. And again, a woman of that time being able to do that and, you know, kind of just on her own terms. Mm -hmm. Fucking more power to you. Dealing with Percy. <sighs> Fuck that guy. What an asshole. What was the story you had? You said in the beginning you had a Oh, that crazy. was oh, the the that that was it. The, oh, at the end, okay. yeah, talking okay. about that. Gotcha. that yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, with the uh the George Forster or whatever. Yes. It's okay. so weird. So listen, next week, make sure you guys are joining us here because it is going to be if it's I'm Christmas, not mistaken. Isn't it? It's our Christmas episode. Oh yeah. Ooh. I'm pretty sure it's our Christmas episode. Well, we did Krampus before. Yeah. And we've we well, we did the yeah, we did the haunted tales of yeah, the Christmas. forgotten ghost story thing. And yeah. it's gonna be even more special because my birthday is like two or three days after we do it. Get out of here. Yes. What are you gonna be? Twenty? Uh, no, I'm going to be more along the lines of like 32, 33. No, 32? you're not. No, you're no, not. 26. <laughs> I was like, holy. Don't make me feel any older than I already do. Yeah. No, don't do that. Yes, my oldest son, my oldest child is going to be 26. Wow. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, it is crazy. I feel like I'm 42 in my, my knees though, my back. Well, it's fine. Kids do that to you, man. Oh. Well, I had him when I was six, so it's fine. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, I was only six. <laughs> yeah, he's only going to be turning, yeah. what, 33 and nine? Uh, right. Come out soon, right? Yeah. Right, right, yeah. yeah. You're all doing paper mache and then like uh, glue dots and stuff, yeah. and you're like banging chicks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, he was the rock star, man. That's six years old. That is expect. not true in any way, shape, <laughs> or form. Where's Jonathan? And then the closet with the supplies here. 
No, 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 no. All right. But like Adam Sandler, that's my boy. Shouldn't he be Han Solo, Dad? <laughs> so yeah, next week's going to be our uh, Christmas episode. It's going to be fun. Join us for that. It's going to be great. And uh, we're going to be doing a uh, bonus episode on haunted or not haunted. The, uh, the, uh, the the graveyards. The, yeah, the story of the history of cemeteries and graveyards. Yes. And it's it's really weird too. Yeah, it doesn't get too like dark and macabre, but there's some like fucked up shit where you're like, I never thought of that before. Yeah. Well, somebody had to be like, okay, we have a dead body. What do we do with it? Yeah. Yeah. Let's send electrolysis right to it and make them dance and do a bunch of weird shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so make sure to stop over to our official website, the Midnight Train Podcast.com. At our website, you can buy some super sweet merchandise. Super sweet. There it is. Where you can find our Duke of Fingerbum shirt. I mean, we have so much stuff. And I just created a new shirt that will be coming up soon. Oh. It is, you know, the song is just another Manic Monday. Yes. Well, I decided to make a shirt. It's pretty fucking dark and disturbing. And it says it's just another Mannequin Monday. Because remember, folks, it's never just a mannequin. Ooh. Yeah, it's dark, dude. It's it's a cool looking shirt. And it's, nice. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty cool. So that'll be up there soon. So make sure you guys are going over there. And you can also get yourself. And by the way, some of our passengers are jumping on board the Dr. Squatch train. Uh, I saw some comments yes. about that. Yeah. Getting that shit. Get yourself a discount code on Dr. Squatch because it's the best damn soap. Dr. Squatch is changing the way men approach hygiene by providing all natural, high quality, healthy products like bar soaps, hair care, colognes, beard oils, and more. I got to get some beard oil. I want to get some of that. They make you feel like a man and smell like a champion. And that's awesome. I got this. Uh, I just started using this. Um, it's called cold brew something or other. Ooh. So it's like, you know, coffee. Yeah. And it's got actual pieces of, of coffee in it. So and when you swear and your mom puts the soap in your mouth, it tastes like coffee. Yeah, right? It's good. Yeah. It's actually like I cuss That's now. That's a good idea. I cuss more now. So I get it. <laughs> I'm like, hey, mom, fuck. Thanks for the soap, mom. Oh, fuck. <laughs> I was feeling a bit sluggish today. But I tell you what, dude, when you first start using it, because it's like a heavy grain. Boy, like, it's like uh, was it lava like, soap? Yeah, it, but heavier. Yeah, it, it's so good, dude. I love it. I feel so clean when I'm done with it. And listen, all the soaps and products are made right here in the U.S. using the finest all natural ingredients, not cheaply made or harmfully mass produced. Get twenty percent off your first subscription. Just head on over to the midnighttrainpodcast.com forward slash sponsors, or just go to the website, click on the sponsors button, and uh, you know, just use the promo code DSC Squatch twenty. It's DSC Squatch. Two zero to get the best damn soap, and it's Christmas time. I'm telling you, you got some people out there that are gonna love it. Get that shit, and, and listen. While you're there, maybe pick up a, a piece of Midnight Train apparel. Yeah, for Christmas. You know Absolutely, what I, mean? I think it's a good idea. It'll keep you warm. Yeah, and do us a favor. Stop on over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening right now, and give us a five star review. While you're there, like, follow, subscribe, or whatever the hell you can do there, and you'll get each episode as they are released. And listeners. Keep asking how they can keep the steam in our engines. Well, if you like what you hear from us, consider being a producer of the show by heading over to our official website, the midnighttrainpodcast.com, clicking on that Patreon button, or just go to patreon.com forward slash the midnight train podcast for as little as five bucks a month. And that's like, you know, you can scrounge around in your in your car seats and get, you know, five bucks. What can you get for five bucks nowadays? You can't even get a value meal at the at anywhere. That's what I'm saying. Nope. Yeah. So for five bucks through us, you get a bonus episode every yeah. damn week. And we, then, get, we get deep on those, too. I mean, oh, the yeah. last one we did, we we went on that was for pretty, a while there. That was rough, too. So it's like hanging out with us and getting to know us better. Yeah. 
It's a know. little a little more off the cuff. Yeah. Yeah. And they're fun and we just do different shit. So it's good stuff. So do us a favor. Get over there. Sign up. Become a Patreon producer. Become a pooper because poopers are amazing. And we love our poopers and they're amazing. So, right. Yes. I, I said amazing like 18 <laughs> different times. How amazing are they? They're so amazing. Yeah. That's good. And if you're so if you're a diehard Midnight Train fan and you want to help produce this motherfucker, our Patreon is for you and we will be forever in your debt. Most importantly, please share the Midnight Train with everyone. By the way, your stickers. I know you guys just got some new stickers. You got your official pooper stickers that just came out for our poopers. But to everyone else that wants to be a part of the um, the contest. the contest that we're doing, those will be going out first thing tomorrow actually they're not yeah and make sure you snap a picture yep and try and try and have like the location in the picture without having to describe it yeah like show something that's obvious that we would be oh we know where that is that way we can you know don't just take it on like a a black background and send it and be like hey and it's like okay well where did you put it right exactly (laughs) yeah no we we want to see where it is and it's got to be someplace cool so you then just take a picture and send it over to our social media or to uh, the midnight train podcast at gmail.com and the winner starting in January, the uh, winner that we pick every month is going to get some cool shit. Yeah. So it'll be awesome. Do us a favor. Also follow us on our Twitter at the Midnight Train OH. Actually, no, it's not anymore. Is it? Yes, it is. Is that the one to change? No, I don't remember. Anyway, just <laughs> we're, we're on all social medias. Just find us there because they I, they change. Oh, uh, never mind. It doesn't matter. Just find us. We can't thank you guys enough for all the love and support we've received. You passengers do keep this train moving. Thank you so much for listening. We have a very special thank you to our fearless Patreon poopers. There you go, Jeff. There That's the time where you do There that. it is. <laughs> to Nathan Diekman, Hank Sanchez, Stacey Luconan, Nicholas Cooper, Caitlin McKinney, Trent Scott, John and Kate, Desharnay, Desharnay, Spencer Dunlop, Jacob Cook, Maggie Brothers, Albert Lopez, Miles Campbell, Brian Gunzelman, Margaret Atkins, Colleen Cox, which, by the way, she's been talking to me about this uh, um, this this crazy-ass uh, thing that's going on with... And Colleen, I'm just going to put it this way. Yes, that last uh, sketch looks like the guy. That's all I'm going to say. Oh, you're going to leave us in suspense? For now, because I think I want to cover it. I think okay. I want to do an episode on it. So, yeah. All right. She sent me some stuff, and it's pretty cool. Pumpkin Escobar, Mac Doherty, Turner Cox, Sydney Sayer, Gina Madison, Janet Sherrill, Laura Randall, Chad Flynn, Chris McCloud. Uh, I fucked your name up, Chris. Sorry. Chris McCloud, Justin Kowalczyk, and that's the, that's the wrestler. Justin. That's the wrestling guy. Yeah. Rob Webb from the Fun Box Podcast. Please check out the Fun Box We need Box to have podcast. him on, We should. Way. We should have him come in and, like, yeah. hang out and do a show with us. Yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah. Yeah, because we went out there and did his... Yeah, the one time and it was a blast. Yeah, Moody got Moody got annihilated, hammered, <laughs> hammered. Like I don't think I've ever seen that dude as drunk before. So thank you for that, Rob. <laughs> so yes, we should definitely set that up to Christina Skelton and Jessica Bartlemay from the Sisters Skelton podcast. Sisters, they just dropped another uh, Christmas episode, right? Uh no, not yet. No, I thought I just checked today. It's oh, okay. The one from last week. I think they. Release them on Sunday nights, if I'm not mistaken. Sunday nights. Oh, so wow, we're recording right now. Correct. Oh, well, yes. good. Yes. Go go and check them out because they're awesome and they're just just great people. So to Maria Gibbs, to Chainsaw. What the fuck? <laughs> Jigsaw, Rick Resler, Courtney Bachelor, Katie Bramanick, and our boy Bill Birch. Oh, good for you. See, it's like low budget now. <laughs> <laughs> so spread the word and if you want your name to be mentioned on the show. Listen, just sign up, become a pooper, and we will be forever grateful. 
So thank you guys so much. Next week is going to be our Christmas episode. We hope you enjoyed, uh, you know, hanging out with uh, us and talking about Mary Shelley. I thought it was just some kind of little palate cleanser, do something a little different. You know what? The top 10 movies never had the one with Robert De Niro, did it? Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Dude, that movie was horrible. I know, but isn't it weird <laughs> that, that that wasn't in the top yeah, 10? I just that, thought of that. That was a bad, It was a terrible movie. Bad movie. Yeah. Like De Niro's portrayal and everything else. That was just, in which I love De Niro. Love. Yeah, he's a great era. actor, yeah. but not in that. No, it was bad. But you know what that is? That's the director. Whoever directed that fucked it up. And he, just, he probably blew all his Goodfellas money, and he's like, oh, I gotta do this shit. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. right yeah. Car payments. But it was good. <laughs> it was good. So listen, stay safe out there, passengers. And as always, choo-choo, motherfuckers! Now go home and get your fucking shine box. <laughs>